0: Another U game is in the books. Shot! Swing it out. This is Micah Bernard. Micah Bernard's gonna take it in for a Utah touchdown. And the play action throw for the easy six. Keithy lost, then found. Thomas the carry. And Thomas is in touchdown Utah. Burned me twice in the first half. Three times you're not gonna burn me. Rising up, inside the five, it is first and goal. Jalen Dixon, remember him? It's the leaping catch. So line up and score here, if you're Utah. Push rising in. Now Thomas will walk in himself, and Utah regains the lead. in the wide receiver, very much to the top, but they're gonna stay inside with B.J. Baylor. What a move to the end zone. Touchdown, Oregon State in short yardage goal line, Ted. And look at this, fourth down and goal of the two. And this is what I was talking about. You're in that agonizing zone. It's the two-yard line, and Utah will go for it. A huge part of this outcome rides on this play. Pledger alongside Rising. Looking for Cubby. Jarred away! Another fourth down stop by Oregon State. Austin. the clock is at zero and it's time to break down today's game this is your Utah you post game show on 97.5 1280 the zone and the zone sports network
1: welcome in it is your utah post game show Hans olsen 97.5 1280 the zone of the zone sports network Utah fans, if you're just tuning in, Utah losing to Oregon State 42-34 to in one of those crazy games. This is a Utah game that was just packed full of back and forth and lead changes and big plays and giving up big plays. And all three phases of the game played large in this loss for the University of Utah So many big moments to get to. But, you know, it's funny because there are always a couple of moments in a game that you can point to and you can say this, this, and this. I used to do it as a player the 20 years that I played this game. I'd get done with a football game, and if I lost, I could remember thinking this, this, and this, whether it was my fault or not. These three or four things led to these big moments and and the loss or – Or on the flip side, you could identify some of those moments. And as crazy as this game is and as much noise as there was in this game and big moments, there are three or four moments that led to Oregon State getting the win in this game. And one of them was just before the half. Just before the half, Utah sat at fourth and goal on the two-yard line. Just before the half, they sat at fourth and goal on the two-yard line, and instead of taking the points, they they, they went with a play-action throw to Keithy in the flats. Keithy could not get into the end zone, and Oregon State got the stop at that point it was it was huge. Now, it ended up next possession. There was a strip sack. It was covered by Tafuna. Crazy moment and that led to a Tavian Thomas touchdown and Utah took the 24-14 lead into the half. But still a huge goal line stand for Oregon State that would lead to some big moments later down the road. All right. Two other moments that we really need to talk about. The the second one of 3. Oregon State comes out of the half They get the ball first. They go on this incredible drive. Takes five minutes. Huge momentum swing. They score. It goes 24-21, and it was a beautiful seam route touchdown pass from Oregon State. One of the most beautiful route drawups I've seen. You had a tight end, actually an H-back in formation come across, and he took to the flats. You had a twin slot set. You had one guy run a skinny post, another guy run a wide post. They hit the skinny post on the inside for the touchdown, and that pushes it to 24-21 Utah. But five minutes, big momentum. Utah, here you go, point number three. Utah gets the ball back. They get stopped three and out. They go to punt. Oregon State blocks the punt. And they return it for a touchdown, and they go up 28-24. And at that point, the stadium, Oregon State's run game, the momentum, everything shifted over to Oregon State, and they end up getting the win in this game. There were some other big things that happened throughout this game, but I wanted to bring in Frank Dolce, who was live at the stadium. Frank, you were in the stadium for this this Utah-Oregon State game, correct? Yes i sure was so just i i don't want to say start from the beginning because you could almost write the, the the holy bible with this thing i mean you could write an entire dictionary on this game there were hundreds of moments that you could you could comment on but give me a big picture view of what you saw in this game what are you are you sitting in the parking lot right now frank where are you
2: <laughs> we are driving out of the parking lot as the uh, Black and orange-clad Beaver fans are
1: <laughs> starting to
2: swarm. It's getting a little dangerous here, you know. <laughs> I, cover I, I, up I, those I'm
1: Utah to, license plates, man.
2: I'm going to have to keep my head on a swivel here. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, oh, by the yeah. way, Frank, Frank Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback, obviously incredible broadcaster for so many years with Utah, uh, one of my good friends, and I, I think one of the best at breaking down the game of football that you're going to find uh, playing this game at such a high level and covering it for so many years. So, Frank, just kind of give me your big-picture take on on this game for the University of Utah.
2: Well, it certainly started out the right way for the Utes, and uh, Cam Rising looked really good, the run game looked really good, and
1: Utah seemed to be managing
2: the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, still stifling against the run, pressure on the quarterback, all the things that we come to expect out of this Utah football team. I'd like to go back to that halftime fourth down that you mentioned because I thought that was a critical series in the game. The first play on that, uh, Cam Cam Rising just turfs the ball. I mean, he had Ludwig open, probably would have been a touchdown. He turfs the ball. He makes a mistake on the throw. The second one,
1: oh, he yeah.
2: – oh. The second one, he, he made another mistake. Cam Rising made a mistake. The first one was the flat was so open that I think he just predetermined that he was going to get the ball to Keithy in the flat. Well, Keithy wasn't the open receiver. It was the man in the back of the end zone all by himself. It was just a complete misread by Cam Rising, and, and that – you know Utah walks away from that without any points. I think that was that was critical. So but but as I look across this football game and watching it live and watching the momentum shift, all of a sudden what I saw happen was Oregon State take control at the line of scrimmage. All of a sudden, you know, this is a game where where Oregon State runs for over 260 yards. They average almost 7 yards a carry on the ground. I don't care who you are. You're very unlikely to win that football game if you're giving up that kind of rushing attack on the defensive yep. side. And then Oregon State did a really nice job of keeping Utah on their heels. They couldn't get to the quarterback. I mean, this is a guy pretty decent pretty decent quarterback, but nowhere nearly as good under pressure. Well, he didn't have any pressure in the second half and just picked that defensive secondary apart so to me though started with that run game Utah was I just I was surprised that Utah was so soft uh, against the run I, and, and by the way you know this is not a thing that, that Utah wasn't out there giving their effort 100% 110% it's not like they were not trying out there I think they just got beaten at the line of scrimmage I think Oregon State is that good up front
1: they're that good they are they're that good Frank I was watching this team and my thought was Oregon State's a really good football team they play hard. They're disciplined. Their blocking schemes are beautiful. Uh, their blocking schemes remind me a lot of Kansas City's running schemes. A lot of stretch stuff, but a lot of hook edge blocking, where they're just trying to get you know trying to get an edge on you as a defensive lineman. They're just trying to get an edge. There was some pushing there, and Oregon State could go big, and they can push back. But I love their blocking schemes. A lot of different polls and end around round polls, and they absolutely beat Utah soundly. Um, I, there were a couple of other things that I wanted to talk to you about, Frank. Um, one of the big – there were three really big moments in this game that I identified coming into the postgame that I think swayed the momentum, gave Oregon State the confidence – and really ended up leading to the win of this game. But there was a block punt there by Oregon yes. State. I, I want you to take me into that block punt. You were Again, you were in the stadium. You were watching this live in the stadium. Take me into that block punt moment and tell me the best you can what, what happened there.
2: It was just a – I mean, Utah got bum-rushed right at the line of scrimmage. It felt like Oregon State was a step ahead of Utah at the line of scrimmage. I mean – I I don't know exactly who got their hand on the ball, but two or three, maybe four different Oregon State Beavers could have blocked that punt. I mean, it was that kind of rush, onslaught, at the line of scrimmage. The three blocking backs, they didn't even have a chance. I mean, they got pushed right back into the punter. Sometimes you think, well, the punter just takes too long. You know, he he takes too long. Well, I mean, he barely caught the ball, was getting into his steps, and he was bum-rushed. It, was, it happened right up front, and it was, it was not one guy. I mean, it was a whole crew of Oregon State Beavers swarming on the, on the punter for Utah. So, I mean, it, it just seemed like that, that line of scrimmage where Utah has been so good and some might say dominant in the last three games, they, they lost their edge a little bit uh, in the second half of this football game.
1: Frank, another area that I identified as a major turning moment for the University of Utah where things started to fall apart, Devin Lloyd and his targeting, It, I think it swayed and changed the momentum and the feeling and the excitement of that Utah defense. Take me into that moment, the replay there in the stadium, what you could see from Devin Lloyd. It certainly looked on the broadcast that I was watching that he dropped the helmet in on the quarterback and and deservedly so uh, received the targeting. Now, I don't agree with the penalty of the targeting. I don't think a kid should be taken out of a game at that point, and I certainly don't think he should have to serve a half penalty in, in next week's game. But what you saw there from Devin Lloyd and the targeting and then in this defense missing Devin Lloyd, what did you see as he went out?
2: Well, I I'm critical of the targeting rule. I you know I do think that he dropped his head. Uh, I, I don't think that's a question, but I also think he hit the quarterback in the chest, which isn't the head and shoulders area where I think that the targeting penalty becomes a real issue. So, and I and I and I understand you can't use your head as a weapon. So, I, you know, I guess in the, in the textbook terms, you would say, well, you know, I, I can't fault the official for making that call. In the bang, bang of the game, then you think, well, come on, you know, let's, we, we got to understand that we're still, you know, we're still out here playing football. So uh, I don't necessarily fault the refs. It was certainly terrible timing for Utah. And that's like, I mean, that's like taking your general off the battlefield. That's like taking General Patton off the battlefield and then t- saying to your, you know, the second-in-command, do you know his name? Nobody knows his name. Telling that guy to step up and lead the team. That's how influential Devin Lloyd is to this, mm-hmm. to this football team. That's what kind of a leader, that's the type of emotion, that's the type of intensity that he brings to the football team on the defensive side. So when you take that guy out of the game, there's certainly enough talent on the defensive side But in that circumstance, in that situation, that is horribly difficult to overcome. And Utah did not manage it very well. I thought that was an enormous momentum shift when Devin Lloyd went out of the football game.
1: It was, man. Frank Dolce, uh, live from uh, Oregon. He's there in Corvallis. Was in the stadium watching this game. Kind enough to take a few minutes and jump on the postgame, give some of his observations from the stadium. So, Frank, if you would have said before the game, if you would have said, hey, Hans, I'll give you 2,000-to-1 odds that Utah gets stopped in inside the three-yard line twice in this game, I wouldn't have given you five bucks on it. I, I just There's just no way that I would have ever expected Utah – to come up with two empty possessions when they're first and goal on the four or first and goal on the five, and they come away twice with empty possessions, one very critical um, just before the half, and then one that I think was the death knell for the University of Utah, that fourth and goal on the three, the second one that they get stopped on. Take me into that play in that moment, Frank. What did that mean to this team?
2: Well, that – you, you could just feel the I mean, there was still hope at that point, like there was time on the clock. Utah had driven the ball down the field. They got the, the help of a penalty. you know, I mean looked really good though
1: to, on that drive, yeah.
2: yeah, yeah. seemed to be they seemed to kind of get back on track on the offensive side, and you thought, okay, here we go. Uh, Utah put, punches this in. Now they've given themselves a chance. This probably ignites the defensive side. Uh, you're just a score away, and you're gonna figure out a way to win this this football game and uh, and then you could just feel the collective air out of that football team dissipate when when that fell incomplete and they were not able to to punch it in and and you know look I, I i'm I'm trying to go back and look at this, and I know we've been critical of play calling and things like that in the past. I think there's in, in every game, you'll, you'll be able to nitpick and say, well, I don't know why he called this. I don't know why they called that. I don't know why they did this. But, but I think the game plan was pretty sound. And, and yeah. it, it, like I said earlier, you know, it wasn't like um, Utah wasn't executing. Um, but I just felt like this, there were times when Oregon State was just a little better. Like they were a step better at times. Uh, at, they they created a crease at the line of scrimmage on the offensive side that we just don't see uh, happen against this Utah football in the Utah defensive front and 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 on the defensive side they made a you know they made a play on the ball uh, they were a little quicker to the ball they just they just seem to have a step on Utah at times tonight so I, I it's like I have a hard time going back and saying. Well I would have called something different there. I'm not sure I would have called anything different. The play was open, the ball was on target the the timing was right, and Oregon State made a play. I mean, I think that's how it yeah. it kind of went. so uh, Utah I think Utah lost at the line of scrimmage, but I also think Oregon State is a is a good football team at the line of scrimmage.
1: Man, you and I have played enough football to remember that sometimes the opponent just makes more plays. And, and sometimes you feel like you just can't stop the bleeding. I played, uh, I played a game against Virginia when Thomas Jones, the running back, Thomas Jones was there. And it was so much like what I just watched against Oregon State. I was having like flashbacks. And these cold sweats. Like I remember Thomas Jones dragging me for a five yard carry, and I was two hundred and ninety five <laughs> pounds, and I'm hanging on to one of his tree trunk legs and I'm biting his oh, ankle. Man. And I, I can't get him to go down. And Virginia put forty five points on us and it was it was embarrassing. And I, I mean I've had these, and sometimes the opponent just makes more plays. I, I like the way you put it, Frank. Oregon State's a good team. And they made a lot of really good plays in this game. And I think you got to step back and just say, hey, look, Oregon State's good. And this was a really difficult matchup. So uh, we did the Utah preview show on Thursday. And, again, we'll be doing it this Thursday. Tune in every single Thursday through the remainder of the season. You'll be hearing the preview show from 12 One. to 3. 1
0: o'clock.
1: One. Are we not oh, going to do? I thought I, th- I thought we were going to do the full three hours. Where are we not? Oh, wow. I mean, I, wow! I, I thought it, you had well, called for it. And...
2: Well, I think I didn't. I think the fans <laughs> called for it. I think that's what happened. <laughs> the fans, were,
1: <laughs> the fans are <were> talking. <laughs> you can catch Frank uh, from one to three with Scotty and I every Thursday. But one thing we really set in in uh, in stone was Oregon State's rushing yards needed to be at 200 yards or lower for Utah to get the win. They were 260 yards. B.J. Baylor went 19 carries for 152 yards for an average of eight yards a carry. Trayvon Bradford had two carries for 20 yards, an average of 10. Deshaun Fenwick, who we talked a lot about, did not have mm-hmm. a good night. But Trey Lowe, on that 38-yard end-around, had three carries for 53 yards, and they had a grand total of 41 carries for 260 yards, and as you mentioned earlier, almost seven yards a carry for three touchdowns on the ground. You know, Frank, we we knew, in numbers like that, we knew that Utah was going to struggle to come out of this one with a win.
2: No question about it. I thought the 200-yard mark... Uh, if Utah could hold them to 200 yards, that gave Utah the opportunity to win the game. It wasn't a guaranteed at that point. I really thought Utah had to be in the 160-yard mark on the ground and, and, and to hold them to that number, and then they gave themselves an excellent chance to win. Well, all of a sudden, I'm looking at the scoreboard, and it's like 140 yards at halftime. And I just thought, oh, man, if this keeps going like this, it's not going to turn out well. It's not going to turn out for for well for Utah. And, and still, still, even giving up 263 yards, almost seven yards of carry on the ground, had Utah been clean in the special teams game, still they might come out of this one. But that crazy blocked punt, in fact, there were two blocked punts in That's that game. One got called back because of illegal participation. So, I mean... That that's an area, that's, that's a turnover. I mean, that's a, that's a scoop and score block punt. That's a turnover that Utah just didn't need at that point. So I think we're right on in terms of what Utah needed to do on the defensive side, and, and clearly they just were not able to get that done tonight.
1: Cam Rising, 22 of 36 for 267 yards and two touchdowns through the air. If you'd have told me those were his numbers in the passing game and associated any type of run game, with this team, I'd have told you that Utah could win this thing. But um, Cam Rising had a couple of, of missteps as well. He also added 10 carries for 73 yards and was fantastic in third-down conversions. He converted a couple of big-time third downs. I want you to give me your overall assessment of Utah's quarterback, Cam Rising, in this game. Uh, I,
2: I, you know, I think Cam they would like a couple plays back. Uh, he'd like, he'd like a couple of those plays back and, um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe numbers would change a little bit for him. I thought he was fantastic with his legs. Uh, he got Utah tired of a couple of scary situations. He didn't have, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't necessarily operating from a clean pocket all night. I think we have to consider that as well, but, but I will say this about cam rising, like, you know, uh, this, is, this is, for him, this is probably a B-plus effort. I think he can play better. I think he probably thinks he can play better. But this is a guy, you're, you're, the big takeaway is there, there's no question that this is a guy that is going to win a lot of football games for, for Utah. Even under duress, even under pressure, even under difficult circumstances, he still had that leadership quality. You could tell when he went out of the field every time. That he was still every time he took a snap, he was gonna he was gonna do everything in his power to make a positive play, and so I, I'm still really high on on Cam Rising, and and he made a couple. Like I said, I think he made a couple plays that he'd like back, but overall uh, they didn't get the win tonight. But but they're gonna get a lot of wins with number seven at the helm.
1: I agree, man. I I really like so many aspects of his game and as you mentioned frank there were a few leaks and and i don't have the official stats on oregon state as far as quarterback hits quarterback hurries and sacks i don't Mm -hmm. have the official sacks yet but i do have here in my notes and uh this is at the end of the third quarter i have it right here cam rising took three shots while delivering a pass I know that you probably remember all three of those shots that he took and all three of them were completed and they were really big moments, but Oregon state was getting past this offensive front and they were hitting cam rising just under that three second mark. They were hitting him. I mean, it's just that little window for a quarterback, but cam rising so tough. He was standing in there. He was delivering the pass and taking the hits. So, you're absolutely right. This offensive line was not as good, but I think that they went against a really good front that was motivated and was was pressed on the attack, and they felt like they had a chance on this thing It came at them. I would. You gave Cam Rising. What, what did you say? B, B, or B plus? You said. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I would. I would give that offensive line right in that same range a B. Maybe a B minus, but see on the flip side of things, I would give Oregon State in the trench. I'd give them A's, A minus. I felt yes. like Agreed. their offensive line and their defensive line, and we knew that this Oregon State was a fa- Oregon State defense was a fantastic run stop defense. You know, Utah still blew by Oregon State's average. Oregon State was only giving up about a hundred yards a game on the ground, yeah. and Utah put up one hundred and eighty-eight yards on the ground, but I'd give Oregon state a nice, a, a minus. I'd give the university of Utah a a B or or B minus across those trenches. And you know, where about where it fits with cam rising. So Frank, really quick before we let you go and and I appreciate you joining us from Corvallis, man. It means a lot that you'd take a few minutes. Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback live in Corvallis, just finished watching this game. Um, I just want to get a really quick look forward from you. UCLA tonight had an incredible battle with Oregon. Nearly got the win against Oregon and um, looked really good. And they were on a two-game winning streak going into that game against number 10-ranked Oregon. So you've got Utah without a bye week. You know, I think that they stayed fairly healthy in this game, even though... I'm trying to remember who it was that that left in the first quarter of that game. Maybe it was the the second quarter of that game. Um but it felt like they came out of this fairly healthy. What are your thoughts as Utah prepares for a 5 and 3 UCLA Bruins team?
2: Well, UCLA is you know, they're not going to be about happy about what happened. Uh and and I think this is a more dangerous. I mean, I <laughs> Nobody's going to run the ball like Oregon State. Like that is that's a team that's built to run the ball and and they are coached to run the ball. I mean, that is a very well coached offensive front. They they were they were dynamic in in lots of ways tonight and the timing was fantastic. Not not many people are going to run the ball like Oregon State, but but this is a, a UCLA team that runs the ball very well. Uh, the, and, and they have a, a dangerous quarterback because he's a guy that can sit in the pocket and throw the ball downfield, and he's electrifying with his legs. So I think this is an enormous. It doesn't get any easier. Like, it just doesn't get any easier for Utah with, with UCLA coming to town. And and I, you know, I like the matchup. I think Utah can manage these guys, but it, it's a little bit of a, a murderous row. Who would have thought that, you know, going, 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 uh, Oregon State and then UCLA, you would say, is a murderer's row in the South. That just has, doesn't seem to happen. But, but this, this is how it goes with the Pac-12. This is exactly how it goes. So, I, I mean, I expect uh, these are two teams now that are licking their wounds, two, two teams that, that had games in their grasp, games that, that were very winnable. And out, outside of a couple mistakes – couldn't get the job done, and maybe maybe just got outplayed in key areas right up front. And so I think this is this this builds up to be just an unbelievable battle for for Utah with the Bruins coming into town. I, I you know my initial thoughts are Utah can Utah can figure out a win to win a way to win this football game, but. They're going to have to tighten up at the line of scrimmage. They're going to have to get an A effort from their offensive line and from their quarterback. And they just can't allow this running game to go off in order to get a victory.
1: We'll see if Dorian Thompson Robinson's back for that game too, Frank. He went out in that game against Oregon and Ethan Garbers had to come in and finish things out. So I will get an update on him. I'm sure at the beginning parts of the week and, have a little more information for Utah fans and that but Frank I appreciate it man thanks for giving us a little bit of your insight and um, glad that you could be there at the game and we'll see if this Utah team can rally because it's going to be a one loss southern division team yeah. that wins the south. I mean, Utah's not yeah. out of this division race yet.
2: Not at all. No, not at all. I think you're exactly right. And listen, Utah fans don't don't you know don't feel bad. This was a a good effort by Utah tonight. I mean, it was a good effort by Utah tonight. Uh, Oregon State was just a little – I think Oregon State was just a little better. I mean, they they just seemed to be a little better. And and so this is a good learning experience for Utah, and they'll figure out a way to come back and be ready to go next week.
1: All right, Frank, drive safe, and uh, we will talk to you next week, buddy.
2: Thanks, my man. Great to talk to you.
1: You too, as always. Frank Dolce, former Utah quarterback, fantastic Utah broadcaster, and does a great job with us on the preview show and giving us some insight with this Utah team. We'll take a quick break, man. We've been rolling on this one straight for about uh, 40 minutes. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back, and you're going to get to hear from a couple of the players they've taken to the podium. You'll also hear from Kyle Whittingham. But uh, coming up next, we have Cam Rising and Clark Phillips. Stay tuned. Welcome back to your Utah Post Game Show. Hans Olsen here on 97.5, 12 the Zone, and the Zone Sports Network. If you're just tuning in, Utah losing in an epic battle. This was a a fantastic game all around. I I just, I I hope people don't wrong me for this. I love good football, and, and I love physical football, and I love watching two teams battle it out, heart determination, energy, all those things, and that was this game. I'm, I'm a little bit energized by it, but Oregon State gets the win, 42-34. And Utah, I'm sure, deflated. Utah fans, I'm sure you're disappointed and disheartened, but I, I don't want to tell you you shouldn't be, but this is just me speaking as a former football player that loves good football, you, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be. Oregon State came out and fought their butts off at home. They got some confidence off of a blocked punt, and they took it back for a touchdown. Their running game is one of the best in the country, and I think every Utah fan that watched this could see why. Excellent blocking schemes. They love the stretch zone. They've got two running backs that can cut back extremely well, one in particular in B.J. Baylor, who went for 152 yards. It's a very good Oregon State team. So you could sit there and beat this team up all you want. And you could sit there and call for Kyle Whittingham. Well, he went for it on fourth and goal on the two-yard line and fourth and goal on the three-yard line, and he didn't get it. Well, those are still – in my opinion, those are the right calls. You can say that he should have taken the points. I'm saying you don't get many opportunities being at the two-yard line and a, a chance to punch that in. So you could have taken the three points, but would you have ever gotten an opportunity to be have one down at the two-yard line? So my take is that was the right thing to do. Go for it on that fourth and, and three and that fourth and two just before the half. But that's beside the point of, of the point I'm trying to make. I watch a game like this, and I'm encouraged by the University of Utah. I thought Oregon State played a fantastic game. I thought they got some big breaks. I think Utah's got to clean up their stinking special teams. They have to do better with their special teams. They can't have two block punts, one that got called back because you got a double jersey on the field. You can't have two block punts. You can't have a missed field goal. I know that it was at 52 yards, but you've got to knock those through. You've got to punch those through with confidence. You know, and this year has been – one of the loosest years I've seen in 16 years of covering Utah football. When it comes to special teams, it just there's too many loose ends. Blocked punts, giving up onside, giving up missed field goals, giving up blocked field goals. Uh, there's giving up extra points. There have been so many issues in the special teams category. Uh, giving up a kick return for a touchdown in the opening game of the year to Weber State. So way too many special teams miscues for this University of Utah team. They've got to clean that up, but I there's so many things to me that are encouraging when I'm watching. I love Cam Rising. I love the heart of this team. I like Tavian Thomas. I mean, he didn't have the 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 great game that we've seen him have, but it was a good game. He had two touchdowns on the ground. One for I think a 1-yard scamper, the other from 5 or 8-yard scamper. But It was a hard-fought game, and I like Utah's chances going against UCLA. I just think that they got caught in an Oregon State buzzsaw in Corvallis. It's a good team. It's a really good team. And that was a fun football game to watch. Man, I could sit back and I could watch football like that every day of the week, six hours on end, and just enjoy every minute of it. The blocking schemes the defensive adjustments, the big moments, the big plays, you know, giving up a strip sack. You saw at one point Chance Nolan rolling to the outside, Utah coming to the backside, strip sack, and watching, I believe it was, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that it was, uh, can't remember who it was that that ended up scooping up that um, that forced fumble, but... Watching, watching so many big play after big play moments was just fantastic in this game. And um, I th- I've got a lot to be encouraged with, with this Utah team. So a couple guys took to the podium. It's just a really short Q&A. Thank you, Christian Cox. It was Tafuna that was able to scoop up that uh, forced fumble on that Chance Nolan scramble but had a really quick chance to hear from Cam Rising and Clark Phillips. It's, it's just a really quick podium opportunity. Here is your starting quarterback and your starting corner talking about this loss. We just need to need finish in those situations. There's no, there's no other way of putting it. Just make sure that we, we do what we need,
0: need to do as an offense to make sure that we get that ball in the end zone. And then Clark, you guys knew coming in, they were gonna run the ball. Um, it seemed like there were times where, where they, were, they were slipping through the cracks. Kind of what happened with that? Because on those first two drives, you guys did a really good job stopping the them. Uh, you know, we just, you know, we uh, needed to do a better job playing more gap sound. Um, they made some plays. We didn't. And, um, you know, they, they played a good game. questions uh, for the players? You know, where do you guys kind of go from here? Obviously, this is not, you know, the result. You know with the yardage and the whole thing just where do you guys go from here knowing if there's another big one next week
1: we go back to salt lake city and we get ready to go play the bruins that's, a, that's what we're doing ken what do you guys learn from
0: this one tonight obviously there was a lot that happened you guys did a lot of good things but also some bad things what do you
1: learn from tonight uh go back
0: and watch the film and see what we need to correct and make sure that that we get it corrected so it doesn't happen again and
1: just make sure that we're better next time
0: Cork, there was a uh, hold on that on that really long run in that first half did you feel like you were held when he had your arm basically you know if they didn't call it on the field um then the receiver just made a good play he did what he what he could for his team and you know they made a play we didn't
1: there you go just a quick look at uh, a quick sound bite from a couple of those guys and they again they played their hearts out and i've been in games like this and fist fights and You feel like everything you do is wrong and then you've got these huge moments and these big swings and it gets very difficult at times. But I still have a a lot of pride looking at what Utah did in this game. You know, so many big moments. Cam Rising stood in and took so many big shots. Um, Tavian Thomas was a bulldozer inside the five-yard line. Um, I I felt like... um, I felt like at the beginning of this game, Utah's first drive really was out to prove a point. It was physical, and it ended up with a dump off in the flats to Makai Bernard for a quick touchdown, but an excellent drive offensively to open up this game. And then, gosh, I failed to mention this, but Utah in their first defensive effort, Mika Tafua was spectacular. He opened up with a big TFL, and then he followed that up with a strip sack. And Oregon State got back on the strip sack, but Mika Tafua had a fantastic open to this game. And then you had Utah with another solid drive. You had Oregon State, a complete blown coverage on Keithy, and Utah opened this game up 14 to nothing. And then Oregon state returned the favor with a a really brutal running drive to get it to 14 to seven. And at that point in the first quarter, I knew that this was going to be a good old fashioned brawl. And sometimes being on your home field, sometimes having extra depth, sometimes having just a little momentum or uh, just a little bit more momentum or just a, a little bit more depth. It gives you everything you need. And, Oregon State was able to really make the make the uh, the push and the final effort in this game. It's it, it was fantastic all around. We'll take a quick break and uh, you'll come back and you will hear from Kyle Whittingham. That's all coming up next on your Utah Post Game Show.
0: Game is in the books. Shut up! Swing it out. This is Micah Bernard. Micah Bernard's going to take it in for a Utah touchdown. And the play action. Throw for the easy six. Keithy lost, then fouled. Thomas the carry. And Thomas is in. Touchdown, Utah. Burned me twice in the first half. Three times. You're not going to me. Rising up, inside the five It his first and goal. Jalen Dixon, remember him? It's the leaping catch. So line up and score here, here Utah. Push rising in. Now Thomas will walk in himself, and Utah regains the lead. Beeson, the wide receiver, very much to the top, but they're going to stay inside with B.J. Baylor. What a move to the end zone. Touchdown, Oregon State in short yardage goal line, Ted. And look at this, fourth down and goal of the two. This is what I was talking about. You're in that agonizing zone. It's the two-yard line, and Utah will go for it. A huge part of this outcome rides on this play. Pledger alongside Rising. Looking for Cubby. Jarred away! Another fourth down stop by Oregon State. Alex Austin.
1: There you go, some fantastic highlights from tonight's game. Utah losing to Oregon State 42 to 34 and doing a lot of things well, but also a couple of stops inside the three-yard line. Oregon State was fantastic in some of that goal line short yardage. It was interesting. You can attack the play calling. Uh, There was one throw to the flats to Brant Keithy, one throw to the flats to Britton Covey in those short yardage moments. Both of them fell incomplete. You could talk about how you should have ran it. You could talk about all those other scenarios, but a couple of uh, fourth down stops that were key for Oregon State to get the victory in this game. I just sent out a tweet because – You know, there were a couple of targeting penalties in this game. One for Oregon State and one for the University of Utah. And the one for the University of Utah happened to land on Devin Lloyd. Devin Lloyd is a defensive player that Utah cannot play without. Now Devin Lloyd has to serve a half-game suspension against UCLA. So you're going to miss him in the first half of this game next week against a very good UCLA Bruins team a team that is going to test you in so many different ways. And in my opinion, it's just unacceptable to have a guy like Devin Lloyd off the field for something where he was a step late. The ball was gone. uh, Nolan had just released it. it. This would not have been a roughing the passer. It would have been overlooked because he hit in a half step, but he dropped his helmet. His helmet kind of hit to the midsection of Nolan They threw the flag, they called the targeting, and now he has to suffer an entire half-game penalty coming up next weekend. Can we please fix this? And to everybody out there that's like, hey, there's things that just have to change, and these are the things that they've got to get out of football. I I agree. They're trying to limit some of these things, and they're they're trying to fix football the most they can. I I get it. Make it a penalty. Make it a 15-yarder. Maybe make it a quarter, like a series or a quarter or or something manageable. But you're taking a game away from these kids that only have 12 of them. Devin Lloyd inside of that game, I believe Devin right now is probably a third round pick. Somewhere in that range, maybe back end of second, middle of third. But Devin Lloyd could continue to do things to improve and impress and to stack stats and to have scouts watching and looking. He's going to be out a half game against UCLA that he shouldn't have to be out. Can we please fix the penalty for targeting? I don't care. Make it a 15, make it a 30-yard penalty. I don't care if you give him two flags. I don't care. But I don't want to see these kids taken to the sideline, and then have a half taken from them in the next game. And it doesn't just sit with Devin Lloyd. It's, it's everybody. I would say the same for the Oregon State player, even though I think he was ejected at the back into the, the first half. So he doesn't have to serve another half penalty. He will be back and ready for next week's game as long as that penalty came in the first half of this game. But it's ridiculous to me that we have to watch Devin Lloyd on the sideline or I- any player on the sideline for another half, especially when it's not egregious. I did think that the hit on Cam Rising was a little bit more damaging. It was to the jaw, uh, definitely spirit, led with the helmet, maybe a little bit more damaging. But I don't even know if, if you want to call it that just bums me out. It bums me out that these kids have to serve another half uh, of football because of this. Um, I also wanted to mention um, there were two other moments in this game that I thought played very large importance for the way it would eventually play out. Number one, Oregon State's second offensive drive that led to seven points. It was a really quick indicator of how they how good they were in the run game, and I, I was watching a healthy Utah defense struggle with everything they had, struggle to try to stop that Oregon State run. I, I do love that zone. I, I absolutely I love that zone rushing the way they stretch it out, and Coach Smith has it running and operating so well but there was a quick indicator that there was going to be some problems with that Oregon State run game. And when we did the Utah preview show, we did set that number at keeping Oregon State under 200 200 yards, right at 200 yards or under 200 yards, and Oregon State goes for 260. It was a very good game by them. I was very impressed. I was impressed with their push, with their performance, With their fortitude, it's it's a very tough team. And I was was very impressed. You know, the other thing, I was impressed by Chance Nolan. When you really needed his arm, his arm was there. He was 14 of 19 on the night for 208 yards and two touchdowns. So Chance Nolan, again, was special. 14 of 19 for 208 yards and multiple big-time receptions by Trayvon Bradford in critical moments, one for a touchdown, but he had a couple of big grabs in third down situations to extend to get that Oregon State offense back to first and 10 where they could do their work with their running game. So there were some early indications that that was going to be a problem. Also, uh, coming out of the half or during halftime, one thing I tweeted out was, at the very least, I didn't want to see another 20-plus-yard yard 20 plus yard run come from Oregon State. There was a 68-yard run. Baylor just put on the Jets, had a 68-yard run in the first half, and at that point pushed the score 17-14, Utah with a three-point lead. But it was a 68-yard breakaway run, and my tweet and my comment was, no more runs over 20 yards, and then you give up another run over 20 yards to Trey Lowe on the H-back end-around. Trey Lowe goes for 38 yards, and you start to scratch your head, and you start thinking to yourself, man, that's just, it's just too much bleeding. So that was disappointing to not stop or it, it, at least slow down some of the big breaking runs but there were so many great moments from the university of Utah as well in this game. You know, I knew once Oregon state got it down to about 10 minutes and Utah was two possessions out. I knew it was going to be very difficult to try to stop Oregon state. And Oregon state milked the Utah timeouts away. And then they got the ball back and Utah did a good job. They kicked the field goal. They gave themselves an opportunity to kick an onside kick, get that ball back and try to fight for a touchdown at a two-point conversion to tie this thing up and take it to overtime. They did a good job fighting and not giving up, but you knew once Oregon State had a two-possession game with 10 minutes on the clock, it was going to be a really tall task for Utah to get that win because the way Oregon State was moving this ball. It's an impressive team. Well-coached. Played clean, but you got to remember, Oregon State was stacked with penalties, multiple penalties. In fact, I'm just looking at this. Oregon State tonight had 11 penalties for 114 yards. It's always weird to look at these uh, team stats. Oregon State had 11 penalties for 114 yards to Utah's four penalties for 35 yards. And then you take into account that Utah actually won time of possession 30 minute 32 minutes to Oregon State's 27 minutes yet Utah still loses this game cleaner in the penalties better in time of possession but they lose this game also Utah won in in the turnover battle Utah was plus 1 in this yeah it the, the team stats aren't obviously don't line up to victories but Utah wins the time of possession. They win the turnover battle. They definitely win in clean play, four penalties for 35 yards as opposed to 11 penalties for 114 yards. Utah was 7 of 15 on third down conversions, which is a, a very good number. You're sitting around 48%. But there are two fourth down conversions that just hurt them. Those two, those two uh, fourth-down conversions in inside the red zone, inside the three-yard line, uh, take the breath right out of you. If you're on the football field, that takes the breath right out of you. Utah nearly matched Oregon State's offensive output. Oregon State ended up with 468 total yards to Utah's 455 yards. So Utah kept in there offensively and, and they did some things well. One area that I felt like Utah felt a little bit short, I didn't I, I well, to a certain extent, I didn't feel like they used the tight ends as much as they could, but that might be a misevaluation. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that film because I do remember a Brant Keithy uh drop or two or uh a very good defense as well. Oregon State, especially in that fourth down conversion, played very good defense. They came up and crowded Keithy as he caught that ball and kept him out of the end zone. Oregon State played tight defense too. We've we got to give them credit. They played very good defense tonight to get that win. Again, if you're just tuning in, Oregon State getting the win 42-34 to 34 over the University of Utah. Your leading receiver tonight for the University of Utah, Devon Veley. Devon had an incredible catch in the double coverage. It was actually a P.I. thrown, and Veley comes up with that catch. It was a 45-yard reception, but Devon Veley, your leading receiver. Dalton Kincaid coming in second, two catches for 55 yards. Britton Covey, five catches for 40. I thought they used Britton in a couple of, of nice offensive schemes trying to get him into some of the, into the screen looks. And then one of the failed fourth down conversions inside the three was also to Britton Covey. If Britton Covey could have pulled that ball in, it would have been a touchdown, but Oregon state did a very good job of defending him right at the goal line. So that was very clean by Oregon state. Um, also, uh, Cole Fotheringham had two catches for 11 yards, and uh, Brent, Brent Keithy ended up with three catches for 13 yards. Again, if you're just tuning in, Oregon State getting a win over Utah, 42-34. to 34. Uh, We're waiting on Kyle Whittingham's sound, and uh, we should have it here momentarily. You'll be able to hear from the head coach of the University of Utah, as I'm sure... He's probably had it with his special teams. I'm sure he's pretty fed up with what he's seeing. A couple of blocked punts. When's the last time you saw two blocked punts in a Utah game? I know one of them was called back on, on a ridiculous call. But two blocked punts, and one of them led to a quick seven points for Oregon State. If you had to make me point to one thing that swayed this game, that turned it, it would probably be that blocking a punt and scooping it and taking it in for seven points. It'd probably be that moment. So, not only that, but then you had the missed field goal that would have been huge for Utah as well. All right, Kyle Whittingham addressed the media after this game. Here's Kyle. Okay,
3: outstanding uh, job by Oregon State Aggie football team. Uh, ran the ball uh, way too efficiently. Um, 260 yards running, and uh, we just—you know, its tough to tough to win a football game when you're when you're soft against them. And also, some big passes up the field. You know, you do better job finding the ball and making play on balls up the field. And so, uh, give them all the credit. They—we uh, you know, got a 14-0 right out of the gate. Went uh, at half uh, up, uh, you know we have 10, 24, 14 that half, and came out of the second half, and uh, I don't want to say we were flat, but they just they just kept to their game plan, kept on the football, didn't change a thing, and uh, started to get some some uh, big runs in the second half. Well, they very efficient both halves. let say in the first half they're much better than it's about because they still had a bunch of yards against. Well, football in the first half but a lot of positive offense offense put up 450 yards of total goal, 30 you know 4 points and, and uh, didn't turn it over um, had some good individual performance uh, can, can perform well um, you know maybe the biggest play of the game was a block punt for, uh, for a touchdown that was uh, huge we had an error in protection uh, they did a nice job with their scheme and, and got the punt and, and uh that, I think, was the biggest uh, play in the game. But it wasn't the only thing that he's uh, not come out on top, obviously, but that was, that was uh, Peter. But uh, from what I understand, he's still in first place in the South. At least uh, uh, tied first with uh, a couple of other teams. You guys know he's of done than me. And we finished uh, tied with USC, so we met head. So I guess theoretically we're still in the first place, so technically. So, so a lot of positives going forward that we uh, have to play for. Of course, we we're only not even halfway through the conference schedule. Throw down, five to go. Um, told the guys don't hang your head. Just come back, and resolve. There's a there's a balanced conference that, that has a lot of good teams and, and it's a lot of give and take in this week and and uh, that's just how it is. And and again. Uh, they outperformed us tonight. Uh, made a few more plays than we did, and uh, that was the storyline. Well uh, you guys into the ball a mm-hmm. lot. Yeah. How were they able to run it so? The Their offensive line, First of all, I think they have the best offense in, in the back 12 And statistically, that will bear out. They 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 have uh, they run the ball better than anybody. They score more points than anybody. They convert third downs better than anybody. Uh, I think they're second in total offense yards per game. And so they, they, they're going to do that to pretty much it the when they play, uh, mostly. And uh, their offensive line is extremely efficient. They, uh, they run that zone play and the stretch play as well as anybody in the country. And uh, they're well coached. And they have an identity. And they know exactly who they are and what they want to be. And they stick to that. Yeah, it was not. That was probably our weakest uh, area of offense tonight. and You know, there was, I wouldn't have changed any of those calls fourth and twos down there. I mean, that's a goal. That's a solid goal analytically and in my mind. The uh, I mean, analytics, you know, back it up. So uh, I do I don't question any of the decisions we made. We just didn't execute as well as we needed to, and they made plays. Um, You know, the field goal, that would have been put us in a better position, but that's a long kick and and I think he had enough leg, he just hooked it to the left from the bat. But, you know, as I look back, um, I don't think there's anything we would have done different decision-wise, it's just, uh, you know, got got outplayed really by by a very good team guy. Just really out in play, get go, sense that so Yeah, of course. Yeah, we made a lot of confidence in the rising offense and got a lot of playmakers there. And, and uh, like I said, we had 450 plus yards and 34 points. That's a pretty good outing. And typically that wins it for us. It's a, it's a rarity, but, uh that kind of offensive production doesn't lead to a victory because our defense has been so consistent for years. I know that Farley uh, Ford has been had a big well? I didn't. I, I mean, his head was down. He was trying to get out of the way of the quarterback's head and uh, avoid the helmet to and helmet. And, and uh, I don't know if there's an appeal process, or probably not, but uh, it's a shame that uh, it was called. And, and uh, you know, maybe I'm wrong. It's just my opinion. But but look, from what I saw in the replay, like, uh, you know, there's definitely not helmet helmet, but, but, uh, you know, as he was trying to get into the block, and he did duck down and, and uh, you know, he was involved in the tackle and not yeah. in the tackle. And how big of a lot of did you get in the house in the first half? Of the game? Yeah, Devin's a player, he's one of the best linebackers in the country. You won't miss him in the first half of the next game. But, but uh, you know, you just got to mix that up mentality and, and uh, keep going. <laughs> um upset on you the return do block tonight what what happened. Well the the punt the the first we had blocked was one eighty four get off time which is plenty. I mean that's that's fast and so we just had a shield there. Our shield gave up a soft spot interior and the guy stuck his hand through and, and uh, that's what happened. You know the shield you gotta be firm inside and if you get out on the outside that's a bonus but you've got to be sturdy inside and more sturdy. On the, uh, on the inside on that one. And I couldn't tell what was going on a uh, second one, but I wasn't watching. I was screaming for the official and I was the <laughs> number eight out there. And uh, ultimately that ended up, you know, not hurting us because of the penalty. And then they added 15 more onto the, because of the, what happened to the end there. But, but uh, we gotta take a hard look at that protection and see if we need to change some people out or, or what are we gonna do to fix it? So we gotta, gotta work that out for us on that. From our angle, I've we'll probably seen that maybe there were some calls that were enabled both ways. Do you feel that honestly it's a negative on both ways? Yeah, I, mean, I never complained about the officiating and, you know, it's give and take, and I think you're going to even this out in the, in the long run. And that's never from meeting a you know, topic after a game of, of discussion because they do the best they can. And, and uh, like I said, I don't believe there's anybody out to get anybody think It's just a, a matter of, you all know, even out in the, in the long run
1: there you go kyle whittingham in the post game after this game goes final utah losing 42 to 34 to oregon state we got a lot to do next week uh, a lot to break down getting ready for utah ucla game and taking a look at this team overall looking at the film seeing where some of the leaks came through i did see a couple of the hits came off of that right guard spot um Oregon State was motivated, and uh, there were a couple of pressures given up on the left tackle spot. Uh, One in particular on a beautiful spin move to the inside. So you got to look at some of those protections, and you got to go back over the film, try to do your due diligence before you really start making throwing accusations and and making finalized statements on these guys. So there are things to fix. Utah will continue to work to fix it. They're not out of the Pac-12 South race yet, but UCLA could probably put them out if they were to lose that game next week. So big week, big game coming up for the University of Utah. We'll get you ready for that. Thank you for tuning in to the Utah Post game Show. Thanks to Trevor Allen uh, for being out in Corvallis, getting us that sound. Big thank you to Frank Dolce for joining us from Corvallis giving us his thoughts on this game and we will see you next game week for your Utah pregame show right here on 97.5 12 into the zone and the zone sports network